Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Steel Town Sleepers. I am Tony Squares with your host, Chris Dell, the sports editor of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who is sponsoring this podcast. We're on the PG Sports Now YouTube channel. We are part of the North Shore Drive podcast family, where you can listen to us on Spotify and wherever else you find your podcast. And we are breaking down not only the Steelers' fantasy football takes, but also the fantasy football as a whole to find you some sleepers in your lineup that you should either start or stay away from to help you win every single week. Now, we had our bye week last week, <laughs> so, so to speak. We are back for the weekly grind to go through the fantasy football list because, uh, Chris, no one's on a bye this week. No, no. team. I, I, I can't remember a week eight where no team, no NFL team is on a bye, but that's great for us as fantasy fans. I don't think the NFL wants their fans getting their attention taken away from the World Series starting up. You got yeah. opening week of the NBA. So, touche, smart move by the NFL there for the ratings. And and we don't got to worry about like, oh, crap, my QB1's on a bye. I need to go find a backup. No, everyone's available. So, this is a pivotal week to make sure you set your lineup correctly to guys that are going to excel for you because your opponent is certainly going to do so. And let's start right away. Before we go through all the QBs, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, Chris gives us his uh, winner, winner, kicker dinner of the week. Before we get to all that, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh game because this team is suddenly four and two, is fighting for the top of their division. And now they face a very interesting game with Jack. Jacksonville, who has surprised me more than anyone. I'm very excited to see this game. It should be a high-flying, high-scoring affair, even with that Pittsburgh defense, because the Jacksonville offense has been excellent. Trevor Lawrence has been excellent. Dell, are there any fantasy nuggets we got to take from this game? Maybe some players have a Calvin Ridley on their team or a George Pickens or a Najee Harris. Like, what are we doing? What are we looking at? Are there any things we want to dive into or stay away from in this particular matchup? Yeah, you know, I, I call we, we debated whether George Pickens was a sell two weeks ago before the Steelers went into their bye. And as much as it pains me to say it, I, I think I think you gotta try to sell George Pickens if you can. No, yeah, I, I think you no, have to. Yeah. Come on. I, I think you have to because here, here's why. And, and this is a, a a positive for the Pittsburgh Steelers overall, is that their defense getting healthier today. They brought Cam Cam Hayward back to practice. His official 21-day return window Huge. is back. TJ Watt is balling out of control. Uh, you know, we had we had a column this week on post-gazette.com comparing him to Lawrence Taylor, which I don't even think is a crazy stretch at this point here. So, you know, we'll we'll save that one for another show. But my point is, is that the defense is improving and getting healthier. The offense, the offensive line is improving and getting healthier. They have a couple games here at home now. The schedule lightens up a little bit. Yep. I don't think that they're going to be finding themselves in trailing situations where negative game scripts, a.k.a. needing to pass more, are going to happen here. Najee Harris is getting better. As much as I like to throw him <laughs> in my own personal fantasy doghouse every week, his, he actually is experiencing a career high this year in average yards per uh, carry after contact. So that's one thing he struggled with in the past. Mm. And it makes me worry about guys like basically the receivers and Jalen Warren to an extent to where – 
if the Steelers can win with defense, if they can win with the run game, they don't need to elevate their pass volume. And then you add to the fact that Deontay Johnson came back in this game and he's back to being a full-time player. He yeah. saw six targets in this matchup. Let's not yet. Pat Fryermuth, he might not be back for another four weeks because he just went back on IR. But at the That's same tough. time, it, it's going to be a lot of mouths to feed in an offense that doesn't want to throw the ball a ton. So if you can sell Pickens and get a, a sizable return on that trade, I think you have to explore it. It's not just throw George Pickens away. If you got him, you're starting him, but try to sell high based off what he's done because the double-digit targets we saw when Deontay was out, you're probably going to see that capped around seven to eight targets per game, just like we saw against the Rams here last weekend. No, I think you're an idiot, Chris. I think George Pickens <laughs> is the uh, wide receiver of the future, and I would never sell him. He's my favorite. He's my favorite boy. Uh, but I do want to talk about a man you brought up, specifically in this game. It's Najee Harris, the running back for this Steeler team. Uh, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, I don't know how Jacksonville is winning all these games that they're winning because their defense, they turn people over, but they're not a very good defense. They yeah. give up a lot of yardage. Yeah. And also the rest situation with Jacksonville, they had back-to-back -back London games, then came back, uh, had a game uh, on the road, then had a Thursday night game, and now they have a little bit of a mini-buy before this game. But that th those body clocks, that bo those bodies have to be wearing down, and especially to face a hard-hitting team like Pittsburgh. I'm excited to see this matchup. But on the defensive side, as you said, Najee Harris is running through contact better than ever before, and I think this Jacksonville defense gives him a nice opportunity to put up some fantasy points. I know we normally don't say you want to start Najee Harris, but if there's one stealer I want to focus on, yeah. it is Najee Harris because also – if you play in a PPR league, the past two weeks, this Jacksonville defense let Alvin Kamara had 12 catches for 91 yards, thanks to the checkdown king, Derek Carr. And then the week before that, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss each combined for 11, 11 catches overall. So there is the opportunity to dump the ball down to Najee Harris, maybe Jalen Warren as well. But as we said, Harris is getting more and more play. So if those dump downs are there, I kind of like Najee Harris as a sneaky RB2 this week. Yeah, no, he's in he's in RB two territory now. He absolutely yeah. is, and, and you know you know what you got to actually say too. And this pains me to say it because I've been a proponent of Jalen Warren dating back to last season. I think you got to sell Jalen Warren now. Uh, he he got lucky scoring on a fifteen yard touchdown. I say lucky, not as in he doesn't have the skill to do that. But yeah. typically, when you see running backs scoring touchdowns outside the ten yard line, those plays tend to be a little bit fluky and they don't stick around from week to week. Those aren't the most consistent type of fantasy plays we want to be relying on. Now I say that because Najee, he's going to get a majority, if not all of the touches inside the 10 yard line, maybe even inside the 20 yard line for that matter. And, and here's even, you're talking about full PPR, even half PPR that a lot of people play in. Najee Harris ran more routes overall last week against the Rams. He ran 10 routes overall and uh, Jalen Warren ran seven routes overall. They yeah. actually kept Jalen Warren into pass block more than normal because on third downs when Warren was in the game, they were dropping back the pass and relying on him there. So, look, again, I think that the, the return of Deontay Johnson not just caps the upside of George Pickens, especially caps the upside of a guy like Jalen Warren. So it, I, I have him as like a, my, my fourth or fifth best running back in the league. He's on my bench, and I'm looking at running back needy teams in my league saying, hey, look, Jalen Warren, he scored double-digit points in more than half the games this year. <laughs> you try he's coming, to sell. He's you coming off to a touchdown. The, throw you try off that to used sell. car salesman vibe there. You, you try you, to sell. You got it. to, man. So, so that, to me, I'm actually bullish. Like, first time in a long time I've been bullish on – more bullish on Najee Harris. I still think 
he has modest upside in terms of his ceiling, but it's much more than we were seeing earlier in the season when he wasn't running routes and wasn't catching passes. And now we actually semi-trust the Steelers team to get in the red zone every now and again. And when they do, Najee Harris is going to be the number one threat to score touchdowns as well. You, you just know that Jacksonville is now going to shut them out completely in this game. But it's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm excited for it. Let's well, well, let me say rest. this, Tony. You mentioned yeah. the turnovers. There's a great point. I just want to double yeah. down on that, saying that you talk about the defense for Jacksonville in this game. You know, nothing great. 22nd overall in PFF run defense. They're 29th overall, bottom four in the league in terms of their PFF pass rush grade. Mm -hmm. They're also 20th in ESPN's pass rush win rate. So they're not getting after the passer outside of Josh Allen. And I think that yep. the Steelers can at least try to scheme him away to keep uh, Kenny Pocket, uh, Kenny Pickett in a clean pocket for this weekend. The Pickett pocket is going to be huge this week. And speaking of Kenny Pickett, let's move on to the all the whole entire slate that we get to pick from. It's time to dive into the QB rankings. We give you usually two to uh, we each give you two names, and then Dell has his special of the week at the end of each position. But again, we're not giving you the Pat Mahomes of the world. We're not giving you Lamar Jackson because if you have those guys, you are starting them. We are normally looking for guys. We call ourselves the Steel Town Sleepers because we're trying to find guys that are on the fringes of QB one territory, QB two territory, and telling you. That they're either going to overperform or underperform and you're staying away. So those are the names that we try to focus on here. And I'm excited because I think I got a couple of winners here and most of mine are sells. But Dell, I'll go to you for the first name. What's the first QB we want to talk about today? Yeah, this is a week where um, I, I like a lot of guys that are ranked outside the top eight or nine quarterbacks, even in the double digits. And I'll start with my first guy as the highest on the board. I've got him at QB eight this week. Consensus has him at QB nine. Uh, I believe he is a solidified top 10 option. I've got him ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Mm. It, it's your boy, Tony's coming off the bye week himself. It's the rookie CJ Stroud. I, I think that this is where we start to see CJ Stroud truly emerge as a yeah. reliable week in and week out fantasy quarterback option. And look, I, I was talking to my buddies. He's in a couple of leagues with me this year. And it's amazing the state of the quarterback position in fantasy right now, it's completely disappeared. If you yeah. don't have one of four guys now, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson, and even Patrick Mahomes has had a couple down games, you're struggling right now at quarterback. So it's pretty much almost your entire league. And Jalen Hurts is simply getting elevated because of those push play touchdowns. So, you know, I think C.J. Stroud could be your answer there. Obviously, he's not going to be on waivers in most leagues anymore. But if you've got him and a Dak Prescott, if you've got him and a Matthew Stafford, and if you can somehow trade away one of those veteran guys, you know, better name known guys, I would try to do that and rely on CJ Stroud now coming off the bye. No more missed weeks, regardless of matchup. I really like yep. him a lot this week against Carolina. Yes, you can run all over the Panthers, as we've seen teams do. You can throughout do anything the to the Panthers, though. Yeah, you but can do it, anything. They're 26 in uh they're 24th overall in PFF coverage grade. Yeah. And uh the, the the Texans are one of the top seven or eight offenses in terms of pass rate over expectation. So I like them a lot. Uh the the guy that I'm gonna stay away from is actually a guy that in my league, uh someone traded this quarterback away to keep CJ Stroud for the year. So and it involves my team. We're talking about uh, to mostly a Pittsburgh Steelers fan base here, but I am a diehard fan of the Green Bay Packers. And news alert, the Green Bay Packers stink. And I'm talking about Kirk Cousins here. And I'm telling you, you don't want to start Kirk Cousins this week. And listen, oh. I, I I don't believe Green Bay is going to do well against Minnesota. I just believe that there is no reason for Minnesota to throw the ball against this Green Bay defense. This Green Bay defense has been 
porous. They've made people look really well on the ground. But against the pass, they've actually been pretty good. They've sacked people a lot. They've forced a couple of interceptions. And the most passing yards they've given up in six games was 237 to Desmond Ritter. Kirk Cousins ain't exactly a guy that's going to be running around and trying to get scramble plays, which has hurt the Green Bay Packers uh, defense this season. He's going to try and sit in the pocket and pass the ball. And we saw how well it worked against San Francisco again. You don't need to do that to beat this Green Bay uh, uh, defense. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think it's going to be a ball control game. Uh, on the other side, Matt LaFleur and his game script, Denver gave up the most uh, deep passing balls on the season. And we uh, Jordan Love didn't have a pass attempt over four. He had one pass attempt over four yards in the first half. So clearly, they don't want to throw the ball deep and create big plays. They're trying to control the clock and make the game shorter. Minnesota is going to be like, we'll do the same thing and we're better than you at it. I think it's a down day for Kirk Cousins because they're simply not going to need him. So if you decide between Kirk and someone else, I would step away from Mr. Kirk Cousins. Dell, the second QB you want, you want to talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to another guy that I really like this week. And, 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 it's, and it's, uh, it's my boy. It's uh, the, the, the mustache, man. Gardner, Gardner mustache, a.k.a. Gardner Minshew. Go with uh, Minshew. Look, it, there's one thing I've seen a lot of people talking about this week, and it's that – you know, Gardner Minshew's not going to score two rushing touchdowns every week. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I get it. However, he's also not going to lose three fumbles every week. So that's minus six points you get on three lost fumbles. That essentially cancels out one of the rushing touchdowns, and, and it puts him at about, if you take away the other rushing touchdown, about 22 fantasy points, which is something you're going to want in your lineup every single week. Now, why mm -hmm. I like this is because you're playing against the Saints team here in week eight that is extremely stout against the run. I don't know how much running room that this team is going to have. And then at the same time, we have seen them be a little bit of a pass funnel type of defense. New Orleans has, uh, we saw Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence have success against them last week on Thursday night football. So I'm looking at the Colts here is that they're the, the fastest paced offense in the league right now under Shane Steichen. And the only thing that has essentially changed going from Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew is that the quarterback isn't running the ball as much, but that's giving us more opportunity for passing yards, for completions, et cetera, et cetera. So you look at the emergence of Josh Down, that's Josh Downs. That's one area where the Saints have been beat consistently this year, been in those short intermediate slot type areas of the field. So I think that the chemistry between Minshew and Downs is going to continue here. I think that given the landscape of quarterback right now, you're looking at a Colts team, they're at home, they're not favored to win this game. So essentially they're favored to be trailing. I think if they are, you're going to see another game where Gardner Minshew could flirt with 40, 45, 50 pass attempts again. And at this point in the season in fantasy, give me the quarterback every week that's going to be dropping back 45, 50 times because he'll at least get there in junk time for me to put up a respectable number. So that's why I like Gardner Minshew this week. I've got him at quarterback 14, nothing wow. crazy, but he's ranked consensus QB 19. I think that's too low right now. If I if I lost a fantasy week to Gardner Minshew this week, I'd be so disappointed in myself. But yeah, Minshew's there, and I'll tell you another quarterback. It's going to be a gross start, absolute disgusting start. But you got to play the numbers, and I'm so happy we didn't talk about him earlier because I wanted to save him for right now. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, get ready. It's Kenny Pickett. I'm telling you, man, this this Pittsburgh offense has figured some things out. I still want to fire Matt Canada, but this Pittsburgh offense has become explosive. Deontay Johnson is a huge re-addition to this team. It gives Kenny Pickett so much more to play with. And yes, Fryermuth hurts, but you can see that they've they've used these players, these wide receivers, and other options. And the matchup against Jacksonville, as Dell already went through, you can re you can rewind and listen to how bad they are at so many things on the passing defensive side. But I'll I'll leave you with this. 
the past three weeks, Jacksonville has given up the most passing yards to out of any uh, team in the NFL in the past three games. Over 320 passing yards per game this defense has given up. The next closest team is Los Angeles Chargers. They've only given up 280. They're giving up 40 more passing yards a game than the worst team in the league at stopping the pass in, in the NFL. Jacksonville has been terrible. Uh, four of the seven games they've had, a QB has thrown for 300 or more yards against them. I think Kenny Pickett, if you're struggling, if you don't know what to do with your quarterback position and you have Kenny Pickett on there, and also for daily fantasy stuff, you want a really cheap quarterback to be your QB1 in daily fantasy stuff, I I do think Kenny Pickett has a really, really good day against this Jacksonville team that I think is going to score against the Steelers' yeah. defense. I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. I think Kenny Pickett's going to have to throw the ball to keep up. I love Pickett as my QB, too. Dell, your bust of the week, though, yeah. is coming from the quarterback position. So who do you think <clears throat> is busting out as a QB this well, week? Well, it's a guy that's been you know, borderline top five, locked in 10 op- top 10 option all year. However, the last time he faced the Patriots in week two – he was the quarterback 26 this week. It was that week. It was his worst fantasy quarterback performance of the season. And that's Tua Tugavailoa with the Dolphins here. And now look, wow. the Dolphins are at home in this game. Last time they were on the road, they beat the Patriots by seven points. They're nine and a half point favorites in this spot. And mm. coming off of a, a multi-touchdown loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on primetime this past weekend, I, I think that the Dolphins get right here. And, and this doesn't come to uh, come off to me as the type of matchup where they're going to need to really force the ball through the air. Tyree Kill, he did return to practice this week. We're recording this here on Thursday afternoon. He had, he had missed practice on Wednesday, and there were reports that were saying that he could miss this game against the Patriots here on Sunday. So I think at the very least, you're saying that Tyree Kill is not going to be 100% full go yep. in this game, and that either way, you know the Patriots are going to try to scheme Tyree Kill away. He had one of his worst games of the season so far against this Patriots defense, yep. even though the Dolphins – Won the game, and the Dolphins want to win the game. They want to get the monkey off their backs, even though they're five and two. A lot of people are talking about them negatively in the media right now. So yeah. I, I just look at the overall spread, where I don't think anytime I see a team that's double digit favorites and, and a team that is also good at running the football, Raheem Mostert had a monster game. I think they try to get him back on track in this matchup here. So I just think elevation in terms of play elevation, pass volume will be lowered in this game. And then you add to the fact that New England. Also, it is uh, they're they're getting a little healthier in the secondary overall, so I think it's a little more resistance than the last time these two teams played each other. So I am down down on two of this week. I've got him as my QB twelve, which I don't think is very low, but consensus has him right now at QB six. I think that's way yeah. too high for this weekend. That would that would be interesting. It's very interesting. We're getting a couple of times now, and it's happening in Philadelphia as well. They're getting a couple of times where we'll get we're getting those divisional games like really close to each other. So I'm interested to see how the coaching battle does there. If we see a carbon copy of the game that we just had two weeks ago, if we see a lot of wholesale changes in a different game altogether. But I'm with you. It'd be tough to start two of this week. And let's go now to the running back position. This position is a very interesting one. A lot of names like Zach Moss coming out of the woodwork that just became RB ones that we don't know what to do with but I think we got a couple of winners here but before we talk about those running backs I have to tell you about the great Yinzer tailgate which is bringing the best of the Berg to South Point on November 4th showcasing <laughs> showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture iconic sports history and vibrant community spirit the great Yinzer tailgate will immerse you in the unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details and I will see Yinz there I'm flying in from Glendale, baby. Let's go <laughs> for the running back position, Dell. Who's the first running back you want to talk about for week eight? 
Yeah, this is a tough one for me because this early in the week with my rankings, I'm updating my rankings every single day, and you can also catch them uh, in my Fantasy Favorites Manifesto column, which will be at Post-Gazette over the weekend. It'll also be in our Sunday newspaper, so make sure to check that out. And I'll usually highlight the guys, just like in the show, that I'm highest or lowest on compared to consensus. Now, what do you do in a week where you're pretty in line with the rest of the industry, the other 200-plus rankers who are submitting their rankings publicly week in and week out? You kind of try to find those pickpocket spots and I think a couple sleeper, sleepers like we're focusing on this show, guys ranked outside the top 15, ranked outside the top 20 that I really like this week. One guy that I think is eventually going to be due for a breakout game is a guy you were high on in the preseason, Tony, and that's Javante Williams of the Denver Broncos here. Now, look, finally, the, the matchup is tough, right? The, the Chiefs have been stellar yeah. in all facets of the field on defense, right? But I think one area where you could possibly – take advantage of them a little bit is in their run defense. ESPN has them ranked surprisingly 31st overall in their run stop win rate Mm -hmm. metric. I think it's because a lot of teams find themselves needing to throw and aren't really able to establish the run against KC. But at the same time, ESPN also has the Broncos ranked as one of the top five run blocking units on a per offensive lineman basis in the league here. And we've seen Javante Williams get some holes opened up for him over these last couple of weeks in week six against KC. On the road, yes, the touches were limited, but 10 carries for 52 yards. And then in week seven, most importantly, we saw against the Green Bay Packers, 15 carries, 82 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, also had four targets in that game. So at some point, one of these running backs is going to score a touchdown. And what we've seen develop these last two weeks is that Jaleel McLaughlin has gone back into that backup role. Samaje Kiran has remained in that backup role. If you're going to give me – 20 plus touches out of any running back in the league and tell me, Hey, this isn't just 20 touches for Javante Williams. This is 20 plus touches for potentially Javante Williams. Now fully healthy again, after exactly. all the off season surgeries, then I'm going to buy in. And I've got him right now as RB 16 consensus has him as RB 22. I think he has more upside than guys, even like Bijan Robinson, Derek mm. Henry, Jonathan Taylor, because those guys are still splitting work with their teammates and they're in far tougher matchups here in week eight. So I am very bullish on Javante this weekend. And we also knew that Javante, yes, was coming off the injury, but they were going to bring him along slowly. They brought in P Ryan from Cincinnati to try and give a two headed monster here to take some of the load off of Javante. And they've seen that Javante is now fully back to healthy. In fact, that game against green Bay, as you said, some great stats, but there were some shoestring tackles that were made on Javante where he could have gotten a lot more yardage should he just be a little bit healthier, a little bit quicker. But it was also the first time all season he had more than 50% of the snaps on offense. So they are building him into that offense slowly, and this could be a game where he breaks out. It is the week before the bye, so they why not? Let's see what Javante's got, and he's got a full uh, week to rest before we go for the next one. I love that pick. He's also my RB1 in a couple of leagues, so I'm hoping you are correct with that. A guy I want to talk about, Dell, is a guy that you were high on in the offseason, and I am selling this week. And this one's hard. If you have this guy, you're going to want to play him, and I understand why. But I'm selling Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys this week because of the matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. This Rams team is feisty, man. They, they, I mean, they 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 have been the surprise of the season when it comes to a win-loss record, but also this defense has been so good considering they're the 32nd lowest payroll in the NFL with the highest paid defensive player before Nick Bosa signed his contract. So that's how awful the contracts are for everyone else in that, in that uh, defensive backfield for Los Angeles, and yet they're still piecing it together. Raheem Morris is doing a great job putting together this defense. And only one time this season, 
Only one time this season has a running back had over 70 rushing yards against this Rams team. I almost wanted to sell Dak as a quarterback, but again, they the 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 I just think Dak's going to be able to pass on this team, but only one time has a quarterback thrown for over 270 yards against this Rams defense. I, I, I think, and the reason I sold Tony Pollard over Dak is because quarterbacks have four rushing touchdowns against the Rams so far, and running backs have less than that. I'm going uh, selling Tony Pollard. I just don't think it's going to be his game to achieve. I think Dak does stuff over the top of the Rams uh, defense in order to compete. I think it's a lower scoring game. I think the Rams try to control the clock with the, I mean, me and Dell are playing running back for the Rams right now, Um, but they're still going to try and control the clock best they can. And I do think Dallas really is a stifling defense, a lower scoring game. I don't think Pollard's going to be involved. And if he's your RB1, I don't think he's going to be able to score as high as the other guys you'd rather put there. You're never going to not start him, but I'm telling you, prepare to be disappointed if Tony Pollard is your RB1 this week. Dell, who's the second running back you want to talk about? Yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. I, I think I think Pollard can get there just on the volume with the targets. Uh, you know, we saw Najee get some running room against the Rams, so yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see about that one. I think I think I'd probably rather sell Dak in that scenario, but I, I, I the line of thinking isn't terrible there, so I'll, I'll at least give you that one. So uh, yeah, look, man, I, I think that again, like I'm gonna stick in the range of like the 15, 25. Uh, yep. RB rankings list and and one guy to me it's just de facto volume here is Kareem Hunt from uh, wow. the Cleveland Browns I mean look like Jerome Ford's out for a couple of weeks we don't know how long exactly he's going to be out for they they have Pierre Strong who I think is actually we'll get to him in a little bit actually but Kareem Hunt he's going to get the bulk of the touches if he's healthy he practiced in full today uh, even though he had a nagging thigh injury that eventually didn't even keep him out last week so I think he's good to go they trust him. He's been in this offense for multiple seasons now. Uh, P.J. Walker will be under center. They know, they know they're going to need to run the ball in this matchup. They are not going to be able to rely on P.J. Walker to throw the ball to get wins with this team. But they're built to win with the run, and I think that's fine because Kareem Hunt, he can catch passes out of the backfield. He's built for that goal line type of bruising back down when you get in close as well. So for me, RB21, I, I think mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse as your RB2 this week. Consensus has him at RB26. I expect that to move up a little bit. But for me, I mean, you're talking about who would you rather have this week between James Cook, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, and Kareem Hunt? I could argue Kareem Hunt has higher upside than all three of those guys, even though a couple weeks ago we were looking at those guys, at least some of them as possible top 10 options. So I am pretty bullish on the veteran Kareem Hunt here in this matchup against the Seahawks. I'm I'm talking about a guy that uh, another guy that Dell was high on, and the reason why I did not sell Dak was because I wanted to sell Pollard, but also it's because I wanted to sell Kirk Cousins as my quarterback because I'm buying Alexander Madison as my oh, running God. back, and I couldn't I couldn't just talk good about uh, Minnesota and not talk about bad about them in the QB position. This Green Bay defense is terrible against the run. I don't think I need to say it. I did a video today. You can check on my TikTok about the Green Bay tackling drill that went viral, and it is an absolute joke at how bad this Green Bay team is at playing defense, especially trying to tackle people. Darnell Savage, who was uh, the one safety that would be charging the line, trying to make tackles, is mouth. He's on IR. He has a calf injury. They're missing people all over the place. They're still missing their middle linebacker, and it's just Quay Walker and a practice squad guy back there. They cannot stop the run to save their lives. And I, yes, uh, Cam Akers had the most snaps he's ever had for a Minnesota Viking in last week's game, but every play you watched against that San Francisco team, 
you saw Alexander Madison was the one that had the tough carries, the big carries, the carries that mattered. I think Madison, as much as I made fun of Dell for picking him in preseason stuff, I do think this is a week where he puts up some big, big numbers against this Packers squad. As I said, Kirk Cousins is going to struggle to throw the ball a little bit. They're going to need to lean on the run. And I think Madison is the benefit of that and has a, a big boon day. I'm really buying Madison. I think he's I, I definitely think he's a starter in many leagues this week, as much as I hate what he's going to be able to do against my defense. Del, just just make sure to monitor the practice reports there because he did he did uh, get taken out of that game for a little bit after a rough hit. And that's when yeah. we saw Cam Akers come in and get half of his touches late in that game there. But you look at the yards per carry overall, eight carries for 39 yards against that 49ers front seven was pretty impressive. 4.9 yards per carry for Madison, just yeah. 3.1 yards per carry for Akers. And we saw the week before Madison completely took over that backfield and usage when people were starting to question it. So if he's a full go, I, I like that call here for this matchup. Yeah, Cam Akers stinks. We just have to put it out there. Cam Akers stinks. There's a reason Sean McVay said we're good. Now I'll, I'll go with Darnell Henderson off the off the waiver wire here. You can keep uh, Cam Akers. They but, made uh, the Vikings pay them to take Cam Akers. Basically, <laughs> your stash of the week is coming from the running back position. Who is it? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's Pierre Strong with the Cleveland Browns, right? And we don't we don't know how. And let's just say, first of all, unless you're in the doldrums of fantasy football dynasty prospect scouting, or if you're like a, a, a D1 AA college football fanatic, you probably really don't know much too much about Pierre Strong. He was traded from the New England Patriots earlier this season for a bag of peanuts, essentially. Fourth round yeah. pick from last season. But let me tell you this, 4.37 40-yard dash, 99th percentile in last year's draft class. He was ranked by playerprofiler.com as the fifth most athletic running back in the 2022 draft class out of 63 running backs overall, pretty impressive, 95th percentile speed score, 86th percentile burst score. This guy actually had a 93rd percentile college yards per carry. Again, he played at South Dakota State, but he averaged seven yards per carry in college. He's an explosive back, and he actually has decent size, five foot eleven, close to 210 pounds. I think he can be a really good change of pace option in this offense next to Kareem Hunt, and we saw him come in late in that game last week they gave him eight carries and essentially about 10 minutes of action so again Kareem Hunt has been no bastion of health over these last couple seasons himself he's a little bit older as well so I think Pierre Strong could be a sneaky guy to where last week one of the first plays of the game we saw Jerome Ford rip off a 70 plus yard touchdown run I think Pierre Strong has that type of speed burst and explosiveness so I'm not necessarily going to recommend starting Pierre Strong this week but if Kareem Hunt gets hurt by by any chance, you yeah. could be looking at the last man standing in one of the best run-blocking offensive line units in the league where yeah. Pierre Strong could all of a sudden stumble his way into 20-plus touches for a couple weeks. At this point in the season, that's got to be a, a handcuff type of priority stash for you, even if you don't have Kareem Hunt or Jerome Ford on your roster. So that's my stash of the week at running back. Pierre Strong, unbelievable. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. It's a, a lot of wide receivers making names for themselves. A lot of Puka Nakua's out there. It's very interesting, this wide receiver world. And we're getting a bunch of wide receiver injuries, too. You know, like do the Justin Jeffersons of the world going to miss a bunch of weeks? And then suddenly guys like Jordan Addison turn into be a wide receiver one and steal touchdowns from the grasps of cornerbacks at the end of the half, which is insane to me. Um, But let's talk about the wide receivers, Dell. Who's the first wide receiver you want to circle on before? Before I double dip, I'm going to do two in a row because they make sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
this guy, it hasn't been pretty, Tony. It hasn't been pretty, but Uh-oh. I will say that the targets uh, have, have been there. The targets have been nice, and, and I'm going to chase the targets. I'm not going to chase Uh-oh. the final box scores. I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not picking off your get picking off your guy here. But for me, it's Chris Olave from New oh. Orleans. Uh, okay. This is a guy that I think, based off pure talent alone, based off pure target share and volume, should be a locked in top ten option. However, he's ranked as the wide receiver fifteen this week. I've got him as wide receiver eleven. He's mm. coming off a game where he saw fifteen targets yep, in the he same. Did. Sl- but look, let many me say of them this. out of bounds. Yes. Let's not get started on that. Okay. I, we, we could have a whole hour on Derek Carr <laughs> on this show. I'm not going to do it for the sake of the audience here. But look, man, 15 targets. He had 10 targets the week before. He's had double-digit targets in five out of seven games this this year. You can't yeah. say that about many wide receivers in this league. The touchdowns haven't been there. He scored one touchdown all year, and that was the week where he had two catches for 12 yards when he was hurt. So I, I think that better days are ahead. Look at the next three matchups for the New Orleans Saints here. Derek yep. Carr seemingly can't get any worse than he's been because he's been absolutely god-awful. <laughs> They're at the Colts here, you know, playing on a fast track at Minnesota in two weeks as well. In between that, they've got a home game against Chicago in week nine, a very beatable secondary. Mm-hmm. I think the Saints defense and uh, Saints offense passing attack here at least gets somewhat right against these mm. shaky defenses at best. So when you're talking about the Vikings over the next three weeks being one of the toughest matchups for Olave and the Saints, I, I like my chances there. I think Olave is a great buy low in fantasy mm-hmm. because because most likely the guy who owns him in your league is relying on him to be the, the top one or two receivers on his yep. roster, and he's probably very frustrated at this point in the season. So, again, pass funnel defense on the road. I expect the Saints to need to throw the ball. I don't think they're just going to keep dumping it off to Kamara 20 times a game. And at some point, Derek Carr is going to – he's going to man up and say, you know what, this is on me. I got to improve my game. And I'm uh, going to no, make, on. I'm gonna make my receivers I, I, happy here. I think you're absolutely wrong there. I think Derek Carr is the exact opposite person that says, He's hold up, hand up, it's on me. I don't think I don't think it's on me is in Derek Carr's uh, <laughs> vocabulary. I'm a little bit worried that that entire team hates each other, Dell. but I it's, do like yeah. your pick of Chris Tough. Olave because if you know anything about Chris Olave, you know that there is no limit that he will not speed past. So I'm excited to see <laughs> how that works out for him this week. Dell. Hey, he I was blowing talk- off some steam, Tony. Give him a break, okay? <laughs> I want to talk I want to talk about uh <laughs> I want to talk about the two wide receivers here that i'm going to go in because they're playing in the game together so i didn't want you to take either one uh and this involves as we said uh one of these matchups where these two teams have already played each other not so long ago so we have data on how that first game went we can kind of use it for this game and the first uh, person i want to talk about is terry mclaurin I hate Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell stings. I think Washington stinks overall. Sam Howell is about to break the record for most sacks in a season, but Terry destroys the Philadelphia Eagles. He has, uh, in his career, 53 receptions and 784 yards versus Philadelphia. And then the first game they played, it was eight catches, 86 yards, and he fell on a touchdown in the end zone to give you a free six points. I love scary Terry in this matchup. Uh, uh, Philadelphia has struggled, especially big play Slay has struggled covering the number one. And I do think yeah. they're going to need Washington is going to need Terry McLaurin to have a huge game if they want to keep in this game, because this is also seemingly a, a do or die game for this Washington franchise that thought they could be a wild card contender. They do have a couple of wins, but then they have a couple of losses against really crappy opponents where they look like everyone should be fired in that organization. So I think this is a everything against the wall, you know, everything but the kitchen sink offensive plan for B enemy. I think Terry McLaurin is the big spearhead of that. 
And then on the opposite side, we've talked about before, and I've given out before, uh, the number one wide receiver against Washington defenses absolutely eats uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner against this Washington defense. Marvin Mims had a huge game, obviously, but we have players like Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Drake London, all going for huge games against this Washington defense. And notice I said A.J. Brown in that first game. He started this trend of number ones just absolutely eating against Washington. And I think if there's any trust in Jack Del Rio whatsoever, he will say, I'm looking at A.J. Brown. He destroyed us not two weeks ago. I am not letting him do it again. We are bracket covering him. We are making sure there's a safety over top at all times. We are not letting him get off the line of scrimmage without a hand in his face. They are focusing all their attack on A.J. Brown. And so I'm starting Devonta Smith. This guy has been a big disappointment because you probably drafted him really early. You probably drafted him as – if you got him as your wide receiver two, you're still angry about it because he yeah, has not performed absolutely. up to that level. He's not even living up to wide receiver three right now. And I think this week, especially with Jalen Hurts sort of finding a groove, there's obviously something wrong with Jalen Hurts. He's not scrambling as much. He's trying to be more of a pocket passer. I think they're going to try and take A.J. Brown completely out of the game, and Devonta Smith needs to be the one to step up and win this game for Philadelphia. And that's what I'm going for. I'm starting Devonta, and I'm starting Scary Terry. I think they both have huge days in this particular game. Dell, I went on for a while. Who is your second wide receiver? I think Devonta Smith, he's the ultimate definition of a buy low. You just can't trade him away right now because everyone's skeptical, but you know the upside is ultimately there. Uh, I, I love – Terry McLaurin was on my short list, so I like that play a lot. He, he's been tearing it up and, and dominating yeah. target volume in that offense. I really like Jacoby Myers this week. He's had double-digit targets in four out of six games Jacoby. this season. You look at the last two weeks overall, the only guys – the only wide receivers with more targets than Jacoby Myers are – the cream of the crop. Steph Diggs, Tyreek Hill, yeah. Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, that's it. Jacoby Myers has just as many targets as Chris Olave and Puka Nakua, two more targets than Cooper Cup over the last two weeks. I think yeah. you look at this matchup here, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be the greatest quarterback in the world, don't get me wrong, but his return to this offense is a huge boost compared to what they were getting with Brian Hoyer, oh or if they were having to go back to Aiden O'Connell in this offense. If you can do anything against Detroit – you could probably pass on them a little more easily than oh, you can run on them as well yeah. here too. So, and I think the slot has been another area of the field where we've seen wide receivers take advantage of this Detroit Lions mm -hmm. defense too. So look at the Raiders here on the road, uh, eight point underdogs in this game. They're going to need to throw and throw a ton. I expect Jacoby Myers to get double digit targets, maybe even flirt with 15 targets again in this game. So I, I, for me, I, I just don't understand the ranking at this point. He should yeah. be a top 15 option. He's ranked consensus wide receiver 20. I've got him as wide receiver 15, and I could make an argument for probably moving him even close to wide receiver 10 to 12 range. Yeah, so for my sleeper of the week, it's kind of like a semi-sleeper, semi-stash pickup, but it's Jalen Hyatt of the New York Giants. And this gets tough, right, because we're going into week eight here. We have a lot, yep. of, we have a lot of data under our belts, and a lot of the rookies that we expected to break out and have big seasons, they've done that already. So what, what are we banking on? We're banking on guys whose roles – and whose playing time can only increase from here on out. And when you look at a guy like Jalen Hyatt, you're talking about a big play threat, first of all, who has yet to see truly uh, full-time uh, playing time so far in any of the games he's played in. But he's seen now three straight weeks in terms of his playing time increase, his routes run, his overall snaps played. He saw a career-high five targets in Week 7. Only had two catches, but they were for 75 yards, and he was about a fingertip away from getting an additional 30-yard touchdown 
tacked on to that. So 75 yards, five targets, wide receiver, 27 finish overall in week seven. I think Hyatt's the guy whose role is only going to keep growing. This guy was the Bolitnikov water winner, best wide receiver in college last mm-hmm. season. A lot of people question whether that system in Tennessee would translate to the NFL, but we're starting to see him being utilized in creative ways by Brian Dayball there yeah. in New York. So I think offensive line will continue to improve. Quarterback play will continue to improve a little bit in New York. Hyatt could be the one guy who has that kind of pause, delayed second half type, type of breakout. So I would try at the very least to not let him sit on your waiver wires going into this week. Jalen Hyatt, indeed. I, that'd be fun for New York Giants fans. Let's move on, though, to the tight end position. Dell, I'm going to let you go again with your tight end pick because I know you're not going to take mine. <laughs> oh, man, this is, this is a tough one, man. I, I'm going to go I'm going to go back to the well. The last time I did this guy didn't work out too well, but I have a renewed sense of faith and optimism in my guy, Mr. Taysom Hill, in the New oh Orleans Saints. God. I'm going back to Taysom Hill, and here's the difference is because – Last time I recommended you have two sets. That team looked like a <laughs> trash on Thursday night football. They were arguing with each other on the sidelines. Michael uh, Thomas is on the internet throwing his quarterback under the bus at Twitter. And you have two saints on give this me, list. Give, give me some Jameis Winston, man. How about how about him? Give me some Jameis Winston in this offense. That's what I want to see. But look, they threw the ball 55 times. And the last time I recommended Taysom Hill is because he ran the ball nine times for 75 yards. Now, yeah. since then. He's been hovering around three, four, five carries per game. Hasn't had that Mm -hmm. big rushing outbreak. But last two weeks, he has 13 targets combined. That's a top five rate in terms of tight end targets in the league. Now, resend my uh, statement on Taysom Hill if Juwan Johnson comes back this weekend. Because I think that if he does, we're going to see a split committee at tight end. But if Juwan Johnson is ruled out, I will have Taysom Hill as a borderline top 10 option because you're you're seeing a ton of pass attempts Mm. in this offense. They need Taysom Hill, period. They need his playmaking, whether it's as a runner, whether it's on trick plays as a passer. He's shown the ability to get seven of it, catch seven of eight targets in week six, catch four or five targets in week seven, average yeah. 12.5 yards per catch last week, which is much higher than any of the other guys Derek, Hill was th- uh, Derek Carr was throwing the ball to. So I think that, look, by necessity, he was tight end five last week, tight end 12 the week before. That's three weeks out of seven games this season where Taysom Hill has been tight end 12 or better. So I think he could do a lot worse. And just his versatility at this position, uh, you know, if Derek Carr were to get hurt, how many snaps would Taysom Hill see at quarterback? I mean, that's just kind of baked in upside that you just don't get across the league. So I think at, at a position where the rankings are pretty flat, I think most people are in agreement with where the top 10 is this week. He's the one guy I'm considerably high, higher on than the rest of the market due to that upside. I'm not in agreement on where the top 10 is this week at the tight end position. I think there's a guy that's ranked somewhere that should be a heck of a lot higher, but he is ranked this low because of prejudice. And the prejudice is correct. Dell, the tight end I'm going to give out this week is Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons because, let me tell you this, Kyle Pitts at this point is sixth in the league in targets at the tight end position. And since week two, he has as many targets as Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard. And you know what? Jonu Smith is right there behind him in targets. This team loves throwing to the tight end position. And we've seen Kyle Pitts get better and better and better each week. Last uh, uh, Two of the last three weeks, he's finished as the tight end eight or higher. And then last week, it was just tight end 15. This guy can do it. He is very, very good, and they're starting to throw the ball down the field a little bit with Desmond Ritter. This Tennessee team loves you to throw the ball, and this Tennessee team they're facing just traded away Kevin Byer. 
the yeah. best one of the best safeties in the game. This Tennessee okay. team is ready to give up. They have practice squad players playing in the backfield now. I think both Drake London and also Kyle Pitts are going to have huge days against this Tennessee team. And if Jonu Smith, you know, if he just wants to sit out for a little bit, give some more love to Kyle Pitts, I'd love that. But if it, even if it doesn't happen, the target share is great enough that Kyle Pitts is a bona fide uh, number one starter. I think he has a huge week this week. And I know Arthur Smith hates the fantasy community, but I wanted to tell him I'm starting Kyle Pitts this week. And I'm the only one out there that still believes in him. And I, I think it's finally coming together, Dell. It's like if we didn't have the first two years of Kyle Pitts stabbing us in the back, we'd be so excited right now as Kyle Pitts fans because it's <laughs> finally coming together for this team. And I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a number one start for Kyle Pitts, not only this week, but the rest of the way. Sorry to bring up the ghost of Christmas past to you. Uh, it, well, it, it is a revenge game for Jonu Smith and Arthur Smith. So the Smith brothers, Jonu and Arthur, face their old team and the Tennessee Titans this week. So Kyle Pitts might have to be put on pause for one more week, Tony, but we'll see, man. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking <laughs> it. But let's go to Dell's defense of the week. What defensive matchup? Maybe they're on the waiver wire right now in your league. What defensive matchup are you circling? You say you got to play this team. Yeah, so this was one of my, my top stash of the week in my fantasy favorites column uh, at the Post-Gazette website last weekend was to pick them up a week ahead of time because – you not only can start him this week as a top five option, you're also going to get him next week as a top mm. five option. And that's the Los Angeles Chargers at oh home God. against the Chicago Bears this weekend. They're still not rostered, I think, more than hardly 50 against Bajan, 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 baby. I mean, come on. Like this, this Chargers defense has been rounded into form. They've been looking pretty good the last couple weeks here. When you look at the numbers overall, nothing really jumps out at the page at you too much, but. You do look at the Chargers in terms of their pass rush with Bosa getting back these last couple of weeks. I think he's only going to get healthier. They're only going to see improvement with Khalil Mack there. This Bears offensive line, it's decent, but Bajant, Bajant, whatever you want to call him, he's due to make some mistakes eventually. And when you look at the spread for this game, Chicago, you know, they're, well, let's say the Chargers here, they're near nine point home favorites. So Chicago's not just going to be able to run the ball 35 times like they did against Brian Hoyer and the Raiders last weekend, they're going to need to drop back and throw the ball here. And I expect when they do for the Chargers to cause some pressure. And then the week after that, the Chargers get another game against Zach Wilson, the New York Jets. So I think you're getting two- you, you know, no matter what, you know, both of those are coming down to the final minute and the Chargers are either going to lose or win those games in the final minute because that's all Chargers games. And also, I do want to say about you bringing up Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa has been irrelevant for three years, but that's just my take on that. But you're putting the L.A. Chargers in there. It is two juicy matchups in a row. We'll see what they do this week against Chicago. And then finally, winner, winner, kicker, dinner. Who's the kicker of the week, Del? Yeah, so again, we're trying to, you know, our, our guys from early in the season, they've they vaulted themselves into the top 10, so we can't go back to our boys, Jake Moody, Brandon Aubrey, et cetera, et cetera. But one guy... Dallas kicker. He doesn't have a name still. The Dallas kicker. The Dallas kicker, exactly, yeah. So, But one guy, surprisingly, that, that's been just putting up ridiculous kicker numbers week to week. Personally, I don't get it. But, man, the Cleveland Browns, no matter who's playing quarterback, they keep finding themselves in the red zone and not scoring touchdowns. And what have you gotten is Dustin freaking Hopkins, man. Yeah, this he's guy, a killer. 39 fantasy points in the last two weeks. He's, he's on a, a streak of 50-plus field goal conversions. Number one kicker in week seven. Number two kicker in week six. I don't get it. The, the matchup doesn't look great because, you know, they're, they're big underdogs on the road at Seattle. But 
you can't deny the production and and the industry is not respecting it. He's ranked as the kicker 14 this week. I've got him at kicker 10, but man, he's a guy that I think if you're looking for a kicker off the waivers that you know can score 15 plus points, this this guy's done it two straight weeks already. Could be three straight weeks after week eight here. And that is it for this week of the Steel Town Sleepers. We went through it all, Dell. We went through it all, and we gave out a lot of winners, a lot of names here. I'm excited to see how these land uh, by the by the time we record again next week. And we will be back full week nine to dive into the Steelers. Oh man, we got that. The, it's, I have, I'm worried about this weekend, man. This is like. The top of the mountain, the Steelers, they're four and two. They're going to win the division. They're a title there. They could contend for the AFC championship. You just know it's going to all fall apart this week. You just know it's back down to the median. But we will be back to talk about that next weekend more. Dell, another wonderful week of fantasy football pod. All right, man. See you next week, Tony.